Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Really high expectations for this movie, and then you were just so disappointed. Has that ever happened, okay? Because this is like a big issue in my life. Because people talk about these movies that are just so awesome, and I hear about them, and I'm like, oh my goodness, that sounds amazing. Like for me, a big one was Avatar. Like, do you know the hype around that movie, Avatar? Like, it was just constant on the TV. It was, like, the biggest movie since Titanic. And there was awesome graphics. It was going to be in 3D. And it was just, like, this this epic movie. And I was like, oh, my gosh, guys. Cannot wait for Avatar. And I got in for, like, the first 10 minutes. I was like, oh, my gosh. This is amazing. The beautiful scenery. And then I got to the end. And I was like, oh, where was the storyline? I'm sorry if you love Avatar. But I personally was a little disappointed in the lack of storyline. Beautiful graphics. You can come argue with me later, but I was a little disappointed. Or my other struggle with movies, right, is when the trailer literally has every single awesome moment from the entire movie in it. Yeah, so like you watch a trailer, like that looks amazing. But then the trailer made it look so good that the rest of the movie was just like this huge disappointment because like there was nothing better than the trailer. And that was really sad. I had that happen really recently. I was so sad about it. Like, there was this awesome romantic moment in the trailer, and I was like, oh, so beautiful. And then you watch it in the movie, and it's not even romantic. Like, he's talking about a different girl, and you're like, oh, that's so, I was just so sad about it. So anyway, this just rocked my world. This is a big issue for me. I might need prayer counseling about it. It's so sad. But one time, I had the opposite experience. So I just got this text from a friend. I was like, hey, we're going to see this movie, San Andreas, tonight. And I wasn't that keen, like, and I was like, oh, cool, I'll come. And I just wanted to go for the company. I was like, oh, yeah, friends, night. That sounds like good. Like, sounds like a good idea. Sounds like a good plan. And I was like, San Andreas, I know that's like the big earthquake fault line in, like, California. I was looking at at Lisa because she knows everything about America. I don't know why. Um, (laughs) And, yeah, so I was like, like, okay, it's like an earthquake movie. It sounds stupid. I don't even know. But friends are going great. I'll go. It sounds great. I had, like, no expectations. Never seen the trailer. I didn't know anything about it. I just guessed it was about an earthquake. And so I just was expecting to just, like, sit through this boring movie or, like, just, like, laugh at it. And, like, it turned out that I, like, got into it. Like, I really enjoyed this movie. And if I'd had expectations, I probably wouldn't have enjoyed it. But because I just had, like, rock-bottom expectations, it just slightly exceeded them. And I was like, this movie was awesome. And my new theory is I should not watch trailers <laughs> because I probably would just like movies so much more. That's, that's my new decision. Anyway, so in the final scene of this movie, San Andreas, it's a bit like, it's a bit telltale. We all know that the city's going to be destroyed by the earthquake. Like, that's like the given for disaster movies. That's probably in the trailer. I don't know. I didn't watch it. But probably is. And so the last scene of this movie, right, is like, the entire like city is like crumbling to the ground and like you've just seen all these fancy cars destroyed and all these buildings falling apart and this one family's like running and they've like made it out. I'm sorry, spoiler alert, but we all knew that was gonna happen, right? Like that's what happens in these movies. And like it's like this epic moment. And I was watching it and I was like thinking like San Andreas fault is real, right? So like what if this happened? Like what if this happened in my town? Like what if I lost all the expensive things I owned, like nothing. I don't own a house or a car. And I was like, oh, okay. So if, like, and I, I was like, I'll feel sad for my city and everything. But like, I don't have any like expensive car. I think my car's great. Everyone else teasing me about it. I think it's great. I'd be a little bit sad about my car. But to be fair, it's not like an expensive asset of mine. And so I was watching this and I was like, what do I spend my money on? Because like all this money is just like falling into the ocean and being destroyed and it's so awful. And I was thinking, I was like, the people that spent money on those things 
would like they've like lost it like that's awful like they probably put their life's work into some of these buildings or whatever and it's just gone and I was like well what do I spend my money on first thing that came to mind was Kmart um it's a necessity I can't help it right Kmart the second thing that comes to mind right was like coffee and food and I was thinking I was like if the whole of my city was crumbling into the ocean would I regret spending money on coffee and food my dad's looking at me with a smirk. He thinks I waste money on it. But I personally think that, like, my, like, experience after watching this movie is that I wouldn't actually regret that. Because whenever I'm having coffee or having a meal, I'm, like, sharing, like, I'm always having it with someone. And so for me, it's, like, money and time invested in someone else. Time invested in talking to them or drinking coffee with them, connecting with them, invested in relationships. And just, like, in that final scene of the movie, I was thinking, like, I wouldn't regret that because that's the one thing that lasts. The rest of the city is like on the ground, destroyed, but they've got their family, they've got their relationships. And that mattered and that lasted. And I'm, maybe I'm just justifying my coffee habit, I don't know. But that was just like what was going through my mind, like at this point. Like, relationships are kind of the only thing that's going to stand if everything else falls. And um, so, yeah, like I said, we're starting this new series. It's going to be both AM and PM services for the next couple of weeks about together and it's about like living in community and the importance of like having authentic genuine community in our churches like just like Jesus called us to we're going to look into lots of things about that but tonight the title of the message is the most important thing and that's that's pretty important right like I was a good question I was like what is the most important thing in life and um I think that just from a purely sociological aspect like observation when people are like on their deathbed, I've never, this could have happened, but I've never heard of someone being like, please bring me my bank statements and my Ferrari and my diplomas. Like it's not like in those final moments of your life, people don't usually want their stuff or their achievements. Usually in the final moments of people's lives, they want people and they realize that people is really what's the most important thing about their life and the most important contribution of their life. And I was, yeah, I was reading this book by Rick Warren and he said, wisdom is learning that before the final hours of your life. <laughs> like it's so much wisdom in realizing that that is the most important thing before we get to that point. And Jesus said this too about love and relationships. He says in um, Matthew 22, 36 to 40, it's a pretty famous verse, so you might know it. But um, pretty much what happens is this, we'll call him like he's like a lawyer, right? He's like really pro with the law. He like knows everything about the law. And he's like, Jesus, what is the most important commandment? Like what is the most important thing that I can do? And so this is what Jesus answered him. And he said, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. And like, I feel like that's really conclusive. Like if someone asks Jesus, what is the most important thing? And his answer is love, loving me and loving people. Then it's important that we listen. And if we actually look at the story of God and his relationship with humanity, like it's always been about relationship. He's always pursued relationship. He's always wanted people to know him. He's always wanted to, like, invest in people. And um, I think that especially, I don't know if you know about, like, warm climate, cold climate society, but we live in, like, a bit more of a cold climate society, and we're really focused on tasks and everything. 
But I think that when we look at the story of God, he was so focused on people. And I love, um, there's like that you know, famous passage about love is patient, love is kind. And um, in that passage in the message translation, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 3, he says, no matter what I believe or what I say or what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. And that's Paul writing. He's like, I'm bankrupt without love. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be bankrupt. So I want to have love. And I think like the Bible again and again puts so much importance on having love. And there's like this thing like goes around the internet and it's like this thing that's like, you had one job. And it's like these pictures of something that was so simple that people just like mess up. And it's like, how could you possibly mess that up? Like the one of the ones I saw recently where it was like, a, a paved pathway and like on the outside there's like all red pavers and on the inside there's all like yellow pavers and then in the middle of the yellow pavers for no reason there's just one red brick and it's like oh my gosh you had like one job is to like put the red pavers where the red pavers go it's like simple thing like you had one thing to do and I don't even know what happened and it's just like there's like all these series of like you had one job photos and some people get really annoyed about them um, it's pretty funny. And I think that if like, we were to sit down with Jesus and be like, Jesus, what's my one job? Like, what is the most important thing for me to do on this earth? He's told us it's loving people and loving him. And he's actually made it like simple for us. And that's not easy at all, but it's simple in one sense. And um, yeah, so I just, I read this quote by Rick Warren recently in Purpose Driven Life. And I remember we, we loved this when we did this with church a couple years ago. Um, and he says in, um, yeah, he says in this book, he says, often we act as if relationships are something to be squeezed into our schedule. We talk about finding time for our children or making time for people in our lives. That gives the impression that relationships are just a part of our lives along with many other tasks. But God says that relationships are what life is all about. And when I read that, I was actually really like, almost surprised I don't know if that's like the right word but for me like I when I spend time with people investing in them talking to them I'm often feeling guilty that I'm not at home doing other stuff like I feel like it's like okay I'm gonna do this for a bit but then I'm gonna go back to doing what's important like housework and like preaching like not, not preaching what am I saying I'm like uni work and it's like this is what I'm gonna do but this isn't really that important and I kind of feel guilty I'm like oh I should be like spending time doing other reading more lectures like I don't know and it's kind of like not what I see is important and I think like looking at our lives and how we spend our time like what do we see as important is it money is it success is it getting the job done like what do we prioritize the most in our lives and um if Jesus says that love should be the most important thing, the big question is, what is love? I'm not going to sing the song. I get, I get in trouble every time that somebody, I like try to do an impersonation of a song up here and teases me for weeks, so I'm not going to try. But there's like this song about what is love, and it's a question people ask all the time, like what is love? What actually is love? And so we're going to start with God and what God says about love and how God has shown us love. Um, all right, so I, I have a Bible verse. It's pretty obscure. I wonder if you'll know it. John 3.16. I thought maybe we could all say it together. So, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Yes, we've all been to Sunday school. That was beautiful. Loved it. Yes. So, that verse, we say it all the time. And like to me, I've kind of got desensitized to it. It's like, yeah, yeah, God so loved the world. But if you think about it, it's like God so loved the world 
that he sat in heaven with fuzzy feelings towards us. Like God so loved the world that he just thought about how much he liked us. It says like God so loved the world that he gave. Like he actually took action. He's like, you know, I love you. So I'm going to give to you. I'm going to give my only son, like the most important thing I have, I'm going to give to you. And um, another verse is Romans 5, 8. It says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So again, God says, I sh-, like oh, Paul says, he's like, God showed his love, not by having warm fuzzies and sitting in heaven. He showed his love by dying for us. Like he did something about the fact that he loved us. That's how he showed his love. John, John 15, 13, Jesus said this. He says, greater love has no one than this, that they had affectionate feelings towards everyone. No. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And obviously love has like, it's a feeling, it's an emotion, and we naturally are affectionate towards some people. And that's awesome. Like, that's so good. We should have that. But like, we have to look at the fact that for God, love was about doing. With God, he did something about the fact that he loved us. He didn't just sit in heaven and be like, oh guys, like I see that you're suffering down there. I see that you really need a savior. And I just want you to know that when I think about you, I feel warm inside. Like, I just want you to know that, like, that's how I feel about you. Like, he didn't just sit in heaven with affectionate feelings towards us. He was like, you know what? I love you. And so I'm going to give. I'm going to do something about that. And someone once told me, like, this definition for love, it's not anything too official, but it's helped me. And they said that, like, love is ascribing worth to somebody else at cost to yourself. And the opposite of that being lost is ascribing worth to yourself at cost to someone else. And that's really like, not lost, but like love is what God did. He ascribed great worth and value to us at great cost to himself. It was doing something. He gave, he did something for us. And um, like, so that's kind of showing what God says that like his love for us is. But then the Bible again, like towards us, says that we have to love practically. And there's, like I mentioned it before, like the famous love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. It says, love is patient. Like, be patient. Love is kind. Be kind. Love, like, doesn't seek its own way. Doesn't boast. Love isn't proud. Like, these are actions. They're not emotions. Like, when we read, like, the list of love, it's, like, not like love feels nice and love is just feeling like butterflies like it's like love is action it's like you if you love someone be patient if you love someone hope all things if you love someone don't hold their wrong against them if you love someone don't be rude like and it's so practical and I mean I think I miss that too because sometimes I'm like I just don't feel love I just don't like that person that much like I just don't feel that love like they annoy me sometimes I just don't feel that loving towards them but again and again the Bible says like it's about being loving it's not about feeling loving it's about doing it and like being like loving like that and I mean Jesus challenges so much he says like when I oh this is Luke 6 27 to 28 he says but I say to you who hear love your enemies and if he just said that that would be really hard like because like we just think about how to love my enemy like I'm just going to conjure up feelings of affection towards them there's probably not a lot that you love about your enemies so that's really hard But he goes on to explain. He says, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Like, he tells us how to do it. 
And um, I love C.S. Lewis. He wrote something about this, and I just thought it was so great. He's so clever. He says, Though natural liking should normally be encouraged, it would be quite wrong to think that the way to become charitable is to sit trying to manufacture affectionate feelings. The rule for all of us is perfectly simple. Do not waste your time bothering whether you love your neighbor. Act as if you did. As soon as we do this, we find one of the great secrets. When you're behaving as if you love someone, you will presently come to love them. And I just thought that was so good. Like when I read that, I was like, wow, like, like we have to do something about our love. Like, yeah, maybe you don't find them easy to love, but do it anyway and you'll find that you do. And um, I remember I had this girl and she was in my DTS and she was on the bunk next to me. Oh my goodness. The first week she drove me crazy. I was like, oh God, why? And she just like had attached herself to me. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me, God. Like what is with this? I don't, this is so annoying. And I was like frustrated at her. And I was like, I know I'm supposed to love her, but I just don't want to. Like, she's just annoying me. And I felt like I was like, no, like you have to do this. Like you have to love her. And I was like, God, you have to help me like change how I feel about it. And in a sense, God like did help me. But in another sense, like he gave me opportunities to. Like I'd see her up in her bed crying and I'd be like, okay. And I get up and we'd talk about it. And I would like talk to her and listen to her and hug her and pray for her. And the more I did that, the more that I actually practiced loving her instead of just thinking about the fact that I didn't love her. Like by the end of DTS, I really, really loved her. Like I just, I loved her so much. And God had given me a heart for her when I didn't have one, not because she changed, but because I changed, because I decided to love her even if my feelings weren't there. And it's just like so many other things, like your feelings are going to catch up with your actions so, so often. And I just, yeah. That helped me so much understanding that. And um, I just want to quickly share something that's helped me in understanding how to love people, like practically. And um, there's, I don't know if you've, most of you might have heard, or not, some of you might have heard, there's a guy called Gary Chapman, and he writes about the five love languages. Now, like, he's like a marriage counselor. He's seen this, like, happen in, like, heaps, of, like, this principle in heaps of marriages, heaps of people. And um, it's not just for married couples. Like, this is like a principle for all of us. And what he explains is that there's five love languages and there's five ways of showing love. And so the first one is physical touch, like giving someone a hug or like a kiss on the cheek or patting their back or like wrestling them if they're like your son or like your mate. I don't know. I'm not a guy. Wrestling isn't that fun. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, so like physical touch is like touching someone. Like that is how they, like, that is how, like one way of showing love. A second one is quality time, like let's sit down, let's chat. Or even like some people for them, like watching a movie, like let's watch this movie and then talk about it. Let's have coffee, like let's have a great conversation, like let's spend time together. Like for some people, that's like, they just really like feed off that kind of love. Another way of showing love is words of affirmation, like saying, oh, you look so great in that, or I really loved how you did that, you did such a good job with that. Or even just saying, I love you, like to some people that just means the world, like that's a huge one for some people. Um, like the second last one is acts of service. So like knowing that they need to clean their car and then just cleaning their car for them or doing the laundry for them or on the way here, my sister bookmarked my Bible with all the things I needed for tonight. So that was an act of service. That was loving. So just like little things like that, little ways of like loving like that. And the last one is gifts, like giving a gift. Like, I don't know, it can be something simple. Like I bought you a coffee or I bought you a cake or I bought you a dress. Like, I don't know, like whatever, like buying people something, little gifts, little cards like that. And all of these are good ways to love people. Like most people will receive love all of these ways. 
But what um, Gary Chapman writes about is that every person has one or two main ways that they receive love. Like there's like one or two main ways that like that means the most to them. So for example, if I bought the exact same present for like Carly and for my mom, it might mean the absolute world to Carly. My mom would appreciate it and be like, oh, thank you. But like it wouldn't mean the same thing that it did to Carly. And it wasn't because there's something wrong with me or them or the present. It was just that maybe Carly's, I don't, I'm not, don't, don't, like Carly probably isn't gifts. Don't go all buying Carly gifts. I know I'm just using this as an example. But maybe Carly's love language is gifts. And it just means so much to her. Whereas my mom, her love language might be something else. And I remember very recently I was having a conversation with one of my friends and she was actually leaving to go to the States. And my love language is quality time. And so I was like, oh my gosh, we have to spend time together. So I like planned this whole thing. I bought all this food. We're going to go down here and make food like somewhere. And then we were going to go like into the city and we're going to have dessert. And I was like so happy. I was like, this is going to be awesome. She's going to feel so loved. Good way to say goodbye. And as we're in the car driving like towards the end of it, she was telling me about how her friends from work had just like bought her this little ring. And about how like, she's like, oh my gosh, it meant so much. I was so happy. Like that just meant so much to me. And I was like, really? They didn't even like hang out with you. Like what? But then I realized like that's her love language is gifts. And so really if I wanted to bless her, I had to like, I'm sure she appreciated hanging out with me. But the thing that meant the most to her was a gift. Um, and I think for me, like I've had to try to learn to love people the way that they receive love. And I totally would recommend the book. It's called The Five Love Languages. There's one for married couples, one for singles, one for parents. I think that's all. I don't know. There's a couple of them. They're really, really good. And um, like we can like try to figure out what the love language of people in our lives is. Like, Because often the way that we show love, for example, like I showed my friend love with quality time because that's mine. So often we will do that. Like we'll try to love people the way that we receive love. Or we will, like, if you were trying to figure out what someone else's is, like, listen to what they ask for. Be like, oh, if they're always saying, like, oh, can't we just hang out? Or, like, oh, you never buy me anything. Like, listen to the things they say because they might be trying to share with you what their love language is. And, like, this isn't, like, a biblical thing. Like, it's not in the Bible, like, the five love languages. But it's something that's really helped me in practically, like, how do we love people? And, I mean, there's obviously all, like, the overarching things. Like, we need to pray for them. We need to care for their basic needs. Like, we need to forgive them. Like, these are all, like, givens. But if we want to be extremely intentional about loving people, it's, I don't know, it's just helped me so much knowing specifically how to love someone. So, is there, yes, if I could get the keyboard player up, that would be awesome, just as we are about to wrap up. And um, so what does all this have to do with together and with Christian community? And it's kind of obvious in one sense, like, we're supposed to love the people in our lives. God calls us to love people. But he, um, Jesus made it really clear that it's even more important that we love people in the church. Like, it's important that we love everyone. But within the church, it's even more important. And, um, yeah, he said in John 13, 34 to 35, So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. See, he's saying, like, just as I've done stuff, like, I've given for you, give for each other. And then he says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And that's just one of the reasons that it's so important that we have love in the church. It's because it shows the world that we're Jesus' disciples. It shows the world. Like, if we're like, oh, my gosh, God is love. God loves you. Come to church. And then we're all not loving each other. If we're all gossiping, having arguments, having fights, and there's all this division and, like, not love in the church, that's not like a good witness to people, you know? And like in the American election, people criticized Donald Trump because of 
the way that his supporters act in rallies, right? And the same thing can happen for us. If we aren't acting in a way that promotes Jesus, if we aren't being loving, people aren't going to, like, be, like, they aren't going to see the love of God in the same way, and they aren't going to be attracted to the community of God in the same way that they would be otherwise. And, I mean, also, who doesn't want to be in a community of people that loves each other? Like, I do. I'm totally up for that, just on the fact that it's awesome to be in a community of people that love each other and want the best for each other and practically want to do things to show love for one another. And, um, yeah, like, I just think to cultivate community, we need to make that a priority. It needs to be more important than lights. It needs to be more important even than singing. Like, the main thing is loving God. And the other main thing that goes with it, they go hand in hand, like you have to have both, God makes that very clear, is loving each other, is relationships, relationship with God, relationship with each other. And so like, I just think it's awesome if we're part of a community where like we can give hugs to each other, where we can listen to each other, where we can feel practical needs, we make meals for each other, we do painting for each other, like we um, like love someone who's hard, we give financial gifts, we make time for genuine conversation with people like just doing love like doing it practically the way that God has shown us how to do it um because if he has gone so far to love us like he's given everything then surely we can like be a people who do that too so I'm just gonna um finish in prayer so if everyone wants to close their eyes and bow their heads and just quickly before we finish just if there's anybody here who isn't in relationship with God at all or they have been and they've stepped away and they want to have that love for God first because that's where it starts is loving God and if you feel like tonight that you aren't in that place of loving God I want you to know that he loves you that he's died to set you free he's risen again so that you can be free from sin and can live a life with him forever um here on earth and in eternity and if just don't want to like stay too long this moment but if that's you if you want to give your life to Jesus if you want him to be your Lord if you want to love him um starting today then if you just want to pop your hand up really quickly it's not for anyone else it's just for me to see just so that we can come chat with you after and just help pray with you it's also so you can respond with God so just one more moment if that's you if you'd like to put your hand up it'd be so sweet awesome yeah Jesus we thank you so much that you are love and that you've gone so far to love us and I pray that you'll teach us to be a community that loves each other community that ascribes worth to each other at cost to ourselves just the way that you've done it for us God I pray that you'll help us to know practically how to love people that you'll help us to love people who seem unlovable that you'll help us to like act like we love people until we realize that we really do God I ask that we'll be a community Shahaba community church will be known as a group of people who love each other and who love the community who love people coming to this church I pray that in each of us you'll stir that afresh that you'll convict us of ways this week that we practically can love people in our lives yeah thanks so much God for the way that you've loved us Amen.